Well, good morning. Well, it's good to see all of you today, and we have the great privilege this morning to hear from one of our global mission partners, William Subash. And so Subash is a church planter uh, in India where he was born and raised. Uh, He traveled over to the United States in order to pursue an education at Dallas Theological Seminary uh, where he received his master's uh, in sacred theology and then his PhD in New Testament studies. Um, He then became a seminary professor uh, as well as a church planter in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, But then the Lord called him and Alice back home to India where they started a church planting movement in India and South Asia, where they're planting churches all across that region. And we're excited because this year at VBS, we always encourage our kids uh, to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And so we're encouraging the kids this week uh, to raise funds uh, for a mission project. And our mission project this year is is those funds are going to go to William Sebash and his church in India so that they can have their own VBS in India, which we're pretty pumped about. Um, and so if he would, he's going to come up to the stage, and let's just give him a warm welcome as he delivers God's word. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Jason, for the introduction, and thank you also for having me over here to uh, speak this morning and also represent our ministry uh, <clears throat> Nine years ago, we left uh, Dallas to go back to our home country and uh, be uh, uh, placed in a city called Bangalore in South India. uh, I started teaching at a seminary. Along with that, we also started the church planting movement by planting a church called Crossroad. Crossroad is eight years uh, old now, and I pastor the church. And uh, out of Crossroad, we have planted 14 other churches. We have now church in Nepal, uh, New Delhi, uh, Chandigarh, uh, Nagaland, Vizak, and Bangalore. We have five congregations in Bangalore, and there is one on the pipeline. Uh, We were going to plant the church on April 25th, but because of the present situation, we have postponed it to the month of August. In the month of uh, August, we will also have another church uh, planted in New Delhi in uh, the largest slum there. Uh, you know, God has been amazingly favorable to us, and uh, some of you may not be aware, uh, your church is very much part of our ministry. And because of your prayers and financial support, uh, God has been uh, making our ministry possible. It is uh, an amazing synergetic effort. We work there in the front line, and you uh, help us by reinforcing with resources. Uh, Last year, when uh, the COVID hit, and I got a telephone call from Jason, uh, and we spoke, uh, and he said the church was going to send us uh, support, uh, generous support, and we are so grateful to the Lord for that. And this year, when we were unprepared for uh, the second wave, Again, a telephone call came, and uh, Jason uh, uh, representing the church, and we got another uh, generous support because of that. We are able to reach out to the people and be relevant in the community. Uh, Last year, uh, when COVID hit, we thought it was pretty bad. But this year, uh, when uh, the second wave came, 
we feel the last year was just a preparation. It was only a rehearsal. This year, uh, it was pretty bad, and it is still pretty bad. This morning, as I was sitting in pastor's office, um, I got a text message from my wife. One of our friends, uh, who is not working with us, uh, passed away, very young, uh, a pastor, a church planter in a city called Coimbatore. Uh, in our church, we lost two members. Uh, it's pretty bad. At some point, we had about 35 uh, church members uh, having this virus. Uh, we formed teams. We had a hospitality team that took care of uh, feeding the people and also uh, driving ambulance and finding hospitals. And we formed a team of seven doctors who took care of uh, the treatment of the people who were staying back home. We encouraged people not to go to the hospital because hospitals were overflowing with patients. You know, uh, for one bed, probably 1,000 people were competing because uh, the medical system was unable to handle it. The system was crumbling. So our church uh, is blessed with many medical doctors, so they were able to reach out to people. Now we have only one patient uh, he stayed at home, but his oxygen level went down. Now we have put him in a hospital, uh, Bangalore Baptist Hospital, and uh, our doctors are supervising him. He's a young guy. Three weeks ago, he led our worship. And uh, uh, otherwise, uh, the situation is just coming down. It was kind of peaking by the time I left. Uh, but now it is going down, but the death rate is going up. Uh, we hope that we will not be able, we will not see the third phase of uh, COVID. If it happens, we are prepared because we have learned our lessons in the past uh, uh, two incidences, so we will be able to do it. So during this time, this uh, COVID uh, time, the crisis time, God made us to think quite a lot as uh, the lead pastor as I was here, I came here to attend my son's wedding, and I started thinking, God, uh, we have been involved in church planting, and uh, we are going to continue to do that, and our vision is to plant gospel-centered missional churches in all the major cities of South Asia, that is uh, Nepal, India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, and Burma, although Burma is not South Asia, but we would like to uh, instead of Pakistan, we would like to really focus on Myanmar. But God, uh, how are we going to be relevant during this time? And I was praying and I was very uncomfortable. Uh, even though I was traveling, I told my uh, uh, son and daughter, uh, if it was not for my son's wedding, I would be staying in India, although uh, you know, it would be very uncomfortable. Uh, you know, we would be serving our people there. And about middle of the previous week, the Lord ministered to me from a particular passage which I spoke last week in our church over uh, uh, online, recorded the service uh, here in Dallas and sent it and it was uh, premiered, it was streamed in India. The title of my sermon is Maturing in Faith in the Middle of Crisis. The same sermon I would like to give to us this morning, the one I preached last week and the previous week the Lord ministered to me from this particular passage. Uh, 
maturing in faith in the midst of crisis. You all went through a major crisis here, the pandemic. It looks like you are in the back end of it. But uh, uh, countries like India, they are in the middle of it right now. There were a lot of infrastructure India was uh, taking pride in. One of them is the uh, vaccine manufacturing industry. India is the largest vaccine manufacturing uh, country in the world. But all on a sudden, we did not have vaccine. And India also has tons of doctors and tons of hospitals. We came to a place, uh, you know, the medical structure, infrastructure was just crumbling down. And as Christians, all we could do was just throw up our hands and say, God, you know, we don't know what to do. And especially when we lose the uh, loved ones. You know, one of the ladies who passed away was leading our uh, uh, arbitration ministry. All of a sudden, she passed away. She went to the hospital about four days before she passed away. And, uh, you know, we were just going through a turmoil. At the time, this passage was um, kind of uh, relevant to me, and it ministered, strengthened uh, so much. Uh, Let me read it. It's a very brief passage, Acts chapter 11, verses 27 to 30. Let me read it from Net Bible. During those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide relief for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. For a better context, you can actually read from verse 19 to 25. There was a church in Syria, in Antioch, which was a multicultural church. We don't know who established it. Most likely, it got formed because of believers who moved from Jerusalem, Cyprus, and Cyrene. It was a very healthy church, and to a large extent, we can say that church was single-handedly responsible for the global evangelization. So let's talk a little bit about the church at Antioch. It was a congregation comprised of people from Jerusalem, Cyprus, and Cyrene. It was a multicultural and multilingual congregation. There were Jews and non-Jews in this particular church. You can read that in verse 20. It had leaders like Barnabas and Paul. They contributed much to the church's character and spiritual formation. If you see verse 25, Barnabas and Paul ministered to this church for about a year. Barnabas was full of Holy Spirit and faith, a bridge builder. 
a man who uh, served God not only with his time, but with his resources. Paul was a teacher of God's grace. In a short period of its formation, the church was the talk of the town. They were probably meeting in a small place. We don't know what kind of place they met. But somehow, this church stood out and people started calling them Christians. The title was not self-attributed, but it was given to them by the uh, outsiders, probably to differentiate them between the people who followed the Mosaic law. They called them Christians because there was something special about this community. Verse 27 starts with a phrase. Uh, It's a temporal uh, phrase. It goes like this, during those days. It connects this small passage with the previous one. During those days may refer to four different things. When the church at Antioch was led by men like Barnabas and Paul. It could refer to when the Jews and non-Jews were learning to worship together as one people around Christ, free of all barriers. You know, this church gave us impetus to launch our church in Bangalore and prayer to that, our church in Dallas. I uh, pastored a church called Crossroad uh, Dallas. The first value of our church is breaking down the barriers. You have people from all walks of life, all age group, uh, all social background. And it was an amazing model. So the phrase during those days would refer to when Jews and Gentiles were learning to worship together as one body around Christ, uh, free of all barriers. And it could mean when the church was growing leaps and bounds through the bold sharing of the gospel by the believers, which we see in the previous passage. No one could stop them. They were preaching the gospel boldly. And finally, it could mean when the church was more and more becoming visible. They could not actually hide their church within the four walls. In Jesus' language, they could not hide it under the bushel because it was visible. It was a light on the top of a hill. During this time, God was preparing his church in Antioch for maturity through an imminent crisis. We read that in verse 27 to 28. Through an itinerant traveling preacher, the Holy Spirit of God informed that there was going to be a worldwide famine. He came from Jerusalem to church at Antioch. And he was influenced by the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God uh, predicted that there was going to be a famine. Something like what we went through. And the rest of the world is still going through. During this famine, God was not going to exempt his people from this crisis. This is one question I had to answer all the time. They say, Pastor, we are... Uh, believers, why can't God protect us from this pandemic? 
and uh, I wish I had an answer. But here we see God predicts and people would not be exempted from this pandemic or from this uh, famine. In other words, Christians and non-Christians were going to go through this famine. But God would mature them in their faith by birthing a new aspect of community life. Through this crisis, God was going to bring the best out of the Christian community that was in Antioch. God would bring in them something hitherto was not found. Probably until then, they were only a worshipping community or preaching community. They were growing. As they grow, God was going to bring out something in them that was hitherto not found or identified. I look at our life uh, last year. I was boasting to many people, our focus is going to be just church planting, uh, preaching the word, and protecting the purity of the doctrine. When the pandemic hit last year, we launched a ministry called Mercy Initiatives, through which initially we fed a large number of people with dry ration. And uh, also, we started a feeding program for construction children for a year. Every day from Monday to Saturday, we would uh, feed the underprivileged poor kids or kids from poor neighborhood with one hot nutritious meal. Until then, we did not know that we had a social relevance. But God pushed it to the place where we could not actually keep our eyes closed and we responded to the Holy Spirit of God. You are all part of that initiative. If it was not through the synergetic uh, support of the world churches, we would have uh, done what we did. So the crisis actually was not bad for the church at Antioch because that was actually going to see the fruit of maturity. Their growth and maturity became evident in three different ways. Let's, let me list all three of them and then explain one after another. Number one, they became extremely, sorry, externally focused. Until then, probably they were thinking about their own self. They were worshipping, they were studying, and they were caring for one another. But uh, when the Holy Spirit of God spoke to them, when they obeyed, they became externally focused. Number two, they became generous towards believers beyond their immediate border. I'll talk about it a little bit later. Number three, they became God's instrument of changing the world. That's very exciting, and we will talk about it as well. So when they were going through this crisis, when the Holy Spirit of God spoke to them, when, it, when his uh, instructions were heeded to, obeyed, these three things happened. They became extremely focused. 
the believers in Antioch started thinking about their fellow believers in Jerusalem. We read that in verse 29. They probably did not personally know Jerusalem believers who were mostly Jews. But the believers in Antioch wanted to stand by them. The distance between Antioch and Jerusalem by flight now is about 310 miles. And if you look at uh, Acts chapter 1 onwards, there were tensions, linguistic as well as racial tensions. But when the Holy Spirit of God came Uh, You know, uh, when he started influencing the church in Antioch, they, although they did not know a lot of uh, believers personally in Jerusalem, they wanted to stand with them. They did not think about the racial and regional differences. The Holy Spirit created in the believers a love for others. Holy Spirit of God is in the business of creating something new even today. Uh, he takes people from one level of maturity to another level of maturity. And oftentimes, it, we don't need crisis like the one we went through. But sometimes, we need a crisis to get a bump to the next level. Here, Holy Spirit of God was creating a kind of love towards people they had never seen. People they never shared their language or culture with. This is a new sociology. I call it the Holy Spirit-induced sociology. Being externally focused is one of the signs of the Holy Spirit working internally. Absence of selfishness. Compassion towards who are suffering. A sense of responsibility towards our neighbor. Oftentimes, we may ask a question, who is my neighbor? And there is no immediate uh, objective definition for it. As things uh, unfold, Our neighbor probably is just in the other part of the world when Holy Spirit works in us, when we become externally focused. It becomes the evidence of Holy Spirit working internally. The second uh, evidence of maturity was uh, generosity. They became generous towards Believers beyond their immediate border. In those days, Syria, uh, uh, Antioch was in Syria. And Jerusalem and Judea was way uh, south, about 310 miles uh, by flight now. But the believers in Antioch, a church that was headed by Barnabas and Paul, a church that had people from all walks of life, they became generous. Let me read verse uh, 29 one more time here. The disciples, in those days, Christians were called the disciples. As each one was able, decided to provide relief for the brothers and sisters living in 
ജുഡിയ you know one of the expressions there is as each one was able participation was not only by a small group or was not just by a small group of people but according to this verse every believer or each one proverb chapter 19 verse 17 says the one who is gracious towards the poor lends to the lord it is an interesting passage and the lord will repay him for his good deeds but we know uh, generosity is never uh, with expectation generosity is uh, the fruit of the holy spirit of god proverb chapter 11 verse 25 says a generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others will be refreshed and that's what happening here according to verse 29 of the passage that we just read their giving was treated as ministry when you read this particular passage in greek you don't have the word help or relief the greek word is diakonia it's ministry who thought relief is a ministry these people did not even have an idea that they were involved in ministry you know this ministry doesn't need any special training but all they needed was the influence of the holy spirit and willingness to obey so when agabus uh, spoke through the influence of the holy spirit of god everyone wanted to stand by the believers in judea and jerusalem and according to luke it is a ministry so everyone will be able to participate in this ministry this gesture demonstrates the oneness of the church church in antioch church in jerusalem and later on apostle paul expands this a little bit more romans 15:26 it's an amazing passage for he says for macedonia and achaia are pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in jerusalem and verse 27 it says like this for they were pleased to do this completely a different continent they were in europe but when paul was coming back to jerusalem the believers in uh, macedonia and achaia participated although we are local body in bangalore here but we are also part of a body there is oneness church at antioch gives us an amazing model the crisis pushed the church to be socially relevant a church is always socially relevant because church is the body of christ the local it is the local church through which god takes care of the needs of his people because we are his body and we carry the the local church is the light to dispel the darkness the local church is the salt that uh, preserves and brings taste to the society 
Number three, the evidence of maturity is they were beginning to become the world changers. For me, this is an amazing point in this passage. You know, at that time, Barnabas and Paul were locally ministering. They probably were teaching to a small congregation. People all joined together and they took this offering or the relief, the ministry, and they sent Barnabas and Paul to Jerusalem, which Paul most likely alludes in Galatians chapter 2. When the believers in Antioch responded to the Holy Spirit of God, they were not aware that it was a foundation for something bigger and wider in the days to come. Why? God developed church at Antioch to be the first missionary sending church. Two chapters after, or at least one chapter after uh, this particular passage, this church put their hands on Barnabas, Paul, and John Mark, and they send them out. And we call it the first missionary journey. I'm so fascinated by this passage because Jesus tells the parable in Matthew chapter 25. Man with five talents, two talents, and one talent. The man with five talents did not even know that he was going to be entrusted with six other talents. The five he earned and the one from the uh, careful steward And finally, the one who was entrusted with five talent was entrusted again with 11 talents. Same thing happens here. Initially, unassumingly, they responded to the Holy Spirit of God. Now, the Holy Spirit of God is talking to them, set aside Barnabas, Paul, and John Mark for mission work. They go to Cyprus, And they go to Pisidian Antioch, Lystra, Derby, Iconium. They come back. Again, the same church sends Paul, uh, Titus, and eventually Timothy to the west. And again, the same church sends. The church was not aware when they responded to the Holy Spirit of God when they sent Barnabas and Paul to Jerusalem. It's amazing the way God works. God developed the church to become a missionary sending church. God raised leaders like Paul, Barnabas, Luke. Although it is not explicit in book of uh, Acts that Luke was from this place. Circumstantial evidences show that Luke probably was part of church at Antioch. Who were they? They were world changers. It all began with a small response. They were unaware. This was the first experience of Paul which he continued pretty much all the duration of his work. You know, Paul was part of collecting some uh, relief ministry to Jerusalem. 
but he got a taste of it. Wherever he went, he not only preached, but also he raised support for the saints, the other part of the world. You read 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and all other passages you see, Paul was actively involved in evangelization, but at the same time, he was also actively involved in raising funds for saints because church, both local and also one together. We are all body of Christ. You know, I think about Alaska and Chile and we probably may not know each other, but we are body of Christ. A lot of world changers are made when they respond to God often during crisis. It's amazing. It was during crisis time the church was able to raise world changers. Barnabas. You know, eventually Barnabas and John Mark went to Egypt and Coptic Christians in Egypt, they trace their origin to this church, church at Antioch. Some of the lessons we learn from this passage. Most important requirement of church life is to listen and obey the Holy Spirit of God. He works, he continues. It is the Holy Spirit of God who moves the church to grow. He is the one who guides, prompts through his word. And, you know, through the situation and he brings us to the word. We are capable of hindering and shunning the work of the Holy Spirit of God. The lesson we learn from this passage is that we have so much of potential. Probably we are already involved, but a lot more can happen when it becomes a culture, listening and becoming obedient to the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, lesson. During the time of crisis and need, local churches need to become open-handed and generous with the resources. Actually, that leads me leads to the third point I'd like to say is churches must not become territorial, but be willing to break all barriers. A great lesson. They could have actually said, oh, we are going to take care of the needs of the believers in Antioch. Or, you know, we are a small church and our ability is only uh, within probably 10 miles of our radius. But uh, the church at Antioch pushed their limit. They made extra step and they worked outside the box. That is the beauty of, you know, one listening and becoming obedient to the Holy Spirit of God. They attempt something. Hitherto, they have not attempted. Now, they listened and they obeyed the Holy Spirit of God. They became open-handed with their resources. And they did not remain territorial, but they broke barriers. So what is the takeaway for us? You know, some of us, uh, you know, we, or we are all behind this pandemic or 
the back end of the pandemic. We were concerned about it last year, but probably we are not that concerned. Probably about 70% of the world is reeling under the pandemic. It is, whether it is pandemic or regular time, the passage teaches something that we can actually take with us. I call it the takeaway for us. I'd like to give us just one takeaway. Be externally focused. Generous towards needs beyond your immediate context and be ready to change the world. So you may ask, how can I be externally focused? And how can I be generous and how do I prepare myself to be a world changer? Number one, listen and be obedient to God. God continues to speak to us from his word. Through the situations, through our coming together, corporate gathering. And he's speaking to us continuously, even through global crisis. Number two, do not look at the pandemic as just inconvenience, but use it as an opportunity to reach out with love and compassion. What better time than this to think at least for five minutes beyond ourselves? It shouldn't be just the mission department, but all of us think about it. Not as inconvenience. You know, now you're all sitting without mask. When we fly from Bangalore to Dallas, we have to put the shield, the mask, uh, and if possible, two masks for about 21 hours. And uh, I, I stay in a high-rise building in Bangalore. For last year, about three and a half months, we were not allowed to come out even to our patio. And now it continues till June 21st. A lot of inconveniences. We can actually be very uh, kind of complaining about it, inconvenience, but this is also an opportunity. And uh, I look at uh, what we are doing back in India is uh, with the help of churches like you and uh, individuals around the globe, we are every day feeding a large number of people. And I would say, 300 families times four, about four, uh, 1,200 individuals. Every day we have been doing it. And about 50 children with hot meal every day. And there are people who are driving ambulance 24-7 wearing their PPE and the shield. There are doctors working day and night through the local church, it is not from the public hospitals, but through the church. So it is not necessarily an inconvenience, but it is an opportunity to reach out with compassion and love. Finally, how can we be externally focused and how can we be generous and how can we become the world changers is let's not maintain the status quo. 
you know, that is biggest problem around the world. We maintain the status quo. You know, we have set in the stereotype uh, life of worship, giving, and participation. But follow the model of Antiochian believers. It says, according to each one was able. They pushed their limit. They made extra steps. And they worked outside the box. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that continues to speak to us. Thank you, Father, for speaking to me two days ago, two, two weeks ago. And what a privilege it is to proclaim the same word here. Father, we are both local and we are global. Father, we are part of one body. We have brothers and sisters, not only here in this local church, but we have brothers and sisters all over the world. How amazing it is. And uh, Father, it sometimes even gives us goosebumps. We pray, Heavenly Father, you soften our hearts. Help us not to maintain status quo. Father, help us not to set in for the stereotype life. But to help us to just take the model of believers in Antioch. And may we be able to ask this question, what can we do beyond what, what we have been doing? Thank you, Father, for taking us through a situation which was unpleasant, which we could have avoided but Father, now that we are the back end of it, we pray, Father, that we will be able to move by the Holy Spirit of God. Help us to desire a sociology, which is a Holy Spirit-induced sociology. Not out of obligation, not enforced, but as a fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you for being the recipient of this morning corporate worship from the beginning till the end till now that you are the most important person now as we go out from here father may you send us with your blessing and help us to live out the gospel message both at home and outside now may the grace of our lord jesus the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit of god be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. God bless and have a great week.